Acts chapter 28, verses 16 through 31. Hear the word of the Lord. And when we came into Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldier who guarded him. After three days, he called together the local leaders of the Jews, and when they had gathered, he said to them, Brothers, though I had done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem in the hands of the Romans. When they had examined me, they wished to set me at liberty, because there was no reason for the death penalty in my case. But because the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, though I had no charge to bring against my nation." For this reason, therefore, I have asked to see you and speak with you, since it is because of the hope of Israel that I am wearing this chain. And they said to him, we have received no letters from Judea about you, and none of the brothers coming here has reported or spoken any evil about you. But we desire to hear from you what your views are, for with regard to this sect, we know that everywhere it is spoken against. When they had appointed a day for him, they came to him at his lodging in greater numbers, and from morning till evening he expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. And some were convinced by what he said, but others disbelieved. And disagreeing among themselves, they departed after Paul had made one statement. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers through Isaiah the prophet, go to this people and say, you will indeed hear but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive, for this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. And he, Paul, lived there two whole years at his own expense, and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, good morning. Yeah, I'm Jonathan. It's a privilege to be with you. And if some of you don't recognize me, I, I did get a haircut. Uh, I want to dispel the rumors. I did not lose a bet. Uh, rather, I was uh, preached last time and a congregant emailed me and said, hey, I'm worried that you're going down some rabbit trails that might lead to false doctrine. So I got a haircut in the hopes of removing all sense of heresy. That was my, that was my goal. Uh, that was a bad one. Reed, Reed told me not to use that joke, and he, he was probably right. Uh, no, in, in all honesty, with my haircut, it, it was just a, a random thing. It was a whim. It's a haircut, I'd ha a hairstyle I'd had before, and I was tired of my hair and just thought I'd give it a try. So that was just a complete random, random story. And it, it kind of reminds me of, uh, you know, you start something that seems like a great idea, and it doesn't always end well. <clears throat> and there are some, uh, there's some other things, maybe to pull the attention away from me, that other things that did not end well. And there's actually a museum um, in Sweden where a gentleman collects things that didn't end so well. And I'd love to look at a couple of these. Here's the first one. It's Colgate lasagna, right? So the makers of Colgate thought, we want to incentivize people to brush their teeth. So if we come up with Colgate lasagna, you're going to think about brushing your teeth while eating lasagna, right? Rather, you have that thought of toothpaste while eating it and it just loses all flavor. It, it didn't go well, right? Yeah. Okay. Here's, here's another one I really like. Um, legendary Harley-Davidson cologne, right? If you want to smell like you ride a motorcycle, which, which I do, so it's, you know, I have some incentive there, but it's like you can smell like leather and gasoline and sweat. Like, here it is. Um, a gentleman in the first service came up and told me, it's still available on eBay for $47.99. Okay. So if you're interested, 
There it is for you. Or this one's, this one's my favorite. This is a mask you wear to help uh, rejuvenate your face. Uh, you kind of see it there at the bottom. It's, it's meant to like, help you look younger. We do everything we can to look younger, right? Even, with this next slide, uh, sending electric impulses through like shocking your face, right? Not a great idea. It didn't, didn't go over well, right? Not a great ending. Um, yeah, that one's my favorite. Uh, I bring up these not great endings because if you've uh, been with us for a while, you know we're in the book of Acts, which is actually combined with the book of Luke. So Luke and Acts, one story leading up to this great ending. And as we come to this ending, doesn't it just feel a little anticlimactic? I mean, Reed just read it for us, and I'm not blaming him. It's what the, what the text was going on, but it's kind of like, wow, that's the end of the story? It's like you're running this marathon, and you're about to cross the finish line. Let me, oh, let me stop and tie my shoe. Really? You're going to stop right there? What happens to Paul? What's the end of the story? What goes on with the church? Like, don't you want to know just a little bit? I can't help but feel like the ending of Acts is a little, it leaves me wanting more. Uh, but I think that the author is actually doing that intentionally. I think it serves a purpose. And so I'd love to dive into what that, what that purpose is and try to examine that this morning. Um, before we do, would you, would you pray with me? Father, I just... I thank you for your word. Lord, I ask that your spirit would be at work through the word of God and that you would soften our hearts to be able to hear from you. May it be your words and not my own. Amen. Well, again, um, we're in the book of Acts. This is our last sermon on this series. No, no applause necessary for being done. We've been here since, since January, working our way through. And what we've really found is that this is the, the work and ministry of Jesus Christ, the story of Jesus and that how his story and how his work does not end, but it continues on through the church. And that those who consider themselves followers of Jesus or the church are sent. Sent to be witnesses to wherever they are, in, in uh, whatever field they're in, the classroom, the home, the workplace, wherever they are, we are sent to testify the good news and the story of Jesus. That's kind of what we've been, what we've been learning and going through. And uh, there's, there's a quote up here um, that kind of maybe highlights the uh, the, the point of that sermon, or the, the main point of Acts, it says that God has raised and exalted the crucified Jesus to be the Messiah and Lord, through whom forgiveness and the Holy Spirit are offered to all who call upon the Lord. So there's kind of the, the theme of what we're doing in the book of Acts. We're reaching the end. We're, we're looking at that. And maybe the, the question kind of comes up on, okay, so being sent, how, what, what, what would that look like for us? Like, how are we sent? Or how are we supposed to live that out? And uh, I think there's three ways that our text in the book of Acts ends this morning that helps us as we think through that. If we're called to be sent, how do we do that? What does it look like? So three things. The first one is, those who are sent know the story. Those who are sent know the story. So yeah, read read for us the beginning, kind of Paul has been working on this journey. Uh, the latter half of the book of Acts has been studying the life of the Apostle Paul and his journey to help fulfill the great commission given by Jesus, that the churches be, the, uh, the disciples are to be, um, be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And our text starts off where Paul has finally made it to Rome. And Rome is very important here because it's symbolic. We've seen that the word of God has gone forth in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and Rome is symbolic of reaching the ends of the earth. It's kind of the, the, the end of all that they knew. Rome encompassed it all. So Paul has made it, and he's been, uh, been through shipwreck and heartache and a lot of toil and persecution and snake bites, but he's here, and he's at Rome, showing that the word is being fulfilled. And he gets here, and he spends, he meets with his Jewish brothers, and he says, 
look, I'm not a criminal. I am here because of the hope of Israel. I'm here to tell you about the story of Scripture. That's why I'm here. It's important for him to, to know. That's verses 16 through 22. And then we get into verse 23, and I'd love to read it again. It says, And when they had appointed a day for him, they came to him at his lodging in great numbers. From morning till evening, he expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God, trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. See, what we see here from Paul, he's finally made it to Rome, and he is adamant about sharing the story with, his, with, the, with these Jewish believers. And it's almost like maybe some of you have uh, thrown a party before, had people over to your house, like the, the work that goes into it. That's kind of what Paul has going on. He gets there, he meets with people, they plan a date that works for everyone, he sends out the invitations, orders the food, prepares the food, cleans the house, a miracle for most of us, but he gets, he gets it clean, and then, and then he has them over. And his goal in having these brothers and sisters over is to be able to share with him the story, share with them what is the, the good news of Jesus. And as we go into it, it says he was with them from morning until evening. And I love this picture because it's all day spent with them, right? Probably had breakfast sandwiches and maybe needed to take breaks and grab granola bars. But all day, they're there having a conversation, looking at scripture. And Paul does something. He, tells, he testifies to them of the kingdom of God and tries to convince them about Jesus. Those are two important parts. Kingdom of God, that's, um, when we say that, we mean God's rule and reign here on earth. And what we know from the story of Jesus is that Jesus comes to start that rule and reign, and that Jesus will one day return to restore all things the way they're supposed to be. But that reign has begun. And it's what the people, the Jewish people, have been waiting for all along. And Paul is making the argument that Jesus is that fulfillment. And here's my favorite part. It says, from both the law of Moses and from the prophets. Here's the part of the story. Law of Moses, first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, that's what it means, is meant by the law. And then the prophets, that's meant the history and the prophets who spoke in during the history of Israel. So what Paul is doing is he's actually spending all day with these people in fellowship, having meals, talking to them from the Old Testament scriptures, their scriptures, the Jewish scriptures, and showing them how all of the scripture points to and leads to Jesus. And I can imagine him sitting there going, okay, God created us for a relationship with him. That relationship has been broken by the fall. Adam messed up, but there is a new and better Adam in Jesus. And then God established a covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but that covenant, they failed. Jesus establishes a new covenant with you. Moses brought the law, but the law, no one was able to keep the law. Jesus fulfills the law. And there were kings who let you down and led you astray. Jesus is the ultimate king. There were priests who didn't do their work. Jesus is the ultimate high priest. There were prophets who didn't do their job. Jesus is God's best prophet, right? All throughout scripture, walking them through the story of scripture, step by step, showing how all points to Jesus. I love it. And I bring, I bring that up and it's, okay, well, I can see why Paul's doing that. He's trying to help the Jewish believers understand Jesus is the Messiah. What's that mean about us? Like, why should, I, why should I care about that moment? And I think that the similar application to what Paul is doing is very important for us, and it's showing us that we, those who are sent, also must know the story. We also must be able to walk, walk through and be able to point to how the scripture points to Jesus. So let me give two ways for us to know the story. First is from the example of Paul. Practice hospitality. 
Practice hospitality. You see what Paul does? He invites them over. He spends all day with them. They share meals together. They're, they're in relationship together. And that's the key component. Reed touched on it last week, hospitality. We've got to be able to both give and receive hospitality. But the reason hospitality is so important, it's about relationships, right? It's about relationships. As we are sent, as you go and, and you're with your coworkers, as you're with your classmates, as you interact with your families, wherever, whatever it is you are, relationship is, the, is that first step. Starting that relationship, building that relationship with them, being able to know their story, and then being able to share with them your story and how we fit into God's story, the story of Jesus, the story. That's what's going on with the hospitality. It's about relationships with others. So maybe consider as you're thinking through, what does it look like for you to live as sent? Well, it's, it's about hospitality and, with your coworkers, your classmates, and your family, even the in-laws, right? It's like, it's relationship with all. And then I also wanna point out the second thing that I see Paul doing here, and that is he knows the Bible. I think that we also need to know our Bible, right? He's able to walk through the whole text and he's able to point to and, and convince them of scripture how it's leading to Jesus and we need to be able to do the same. But here's my fear. My fear is that we've been so ingrained and so taught on getting the verse of the day or reading about scripture from some cute t-shirt or some sign that goes on the house. And, and don't be wrong, those things aren't bad, they're good and I believe the Holy Spirit works through the word of God and, and totally inspires and teaches us, absolutely amen. But that's not how the Bible was meant to be read. The Bible was written by individual authors inspired by the Holy Spirit, and each of these authors writes a book, and that book is meant to be read in its entirety and read in context. And it's an ancient book written thousands of years ago, which might not mean that we can imply our modern thoughts of how to interpret it. We have to understand how the original audience would have understood it. What I'm trying to get at is there's some work that has to go into knowing your Bible. And you have to be able to know the story of the Bible. And we need to read our Bible in context as it was meant to be written. It's not easy, but I think it's something that we have to do is to read our Bible in its context, read it as it was meant to be read. So as we think about doing that, I've got four, four ways for us to be able to try and read our Bible. Um, here's the first one, four chapter story. Understand the big picture of what the Bible is talking about. And uh, we at Christ Community, we try and talk about uh, the four-chapter story of the Bible, meaning uh, creation, fall, redemption, and new creation. Understanding that big picture, I think, helps us be able to allow the framework when we're reading individual parts of the Bible, understand how does it fit into the big picture of the story. Things were created as they ought to be. Things are no longer that way because of sin. Christ comes so that things can be different. But one day Christ will return and things will be the way they're supposed to be. That big picture framework helps us understand the Bible. Another thing I think we need to do is read our Bible, whole books of the Bible at a time, right? Read the book of Mark in one sitting. Uh, you might even notice that in our Open Here Bible reading program, something we do here at the church to help us read through the Bible, we read through whole books at a time. We try to train this, that it's like, let's read it in its context and in its entirety. Um, I think it's something else we can strive to do. Another one is grab the children's storybook Bible. Uh, yeah, it'd be great for kids, but honestly, it's great for adults. It's great for me. It helps us see the big picture of what's going on in the story and helps frame it for us. Um, love, love it if we could grab some of those and be reading them. And fourth, if you're like, you know, I want something else. I'm currently reading this book most of the way through that's called Saving the Bible from Ourselves by Glenn Powell, and it's awesome. It's talking about how do we read the Bible the way it's meant to be read in its context. Recommend it to you if that's what you're interested in. All of this, knowing the Bible, forming relationships with others, it's on an attempt that we might know the story. 
Because we see that those who are sent, if we want to live as sent, we have to form relationships with people and we have to be able to tell them how they fit into God's story. So those are the things that we're doing. But that's not all that we see in our text. Yes, those who are sent know the story. But those who are sent also hear the story. Those who are sent hear the story. So you're kind of wondering, Paul spends all day with these people. He sits in there. He explains to them the Jewish scriptures and and how it all leads to Jesus. And you're wondering, what are they going to do? And verse 24 says, And some were convinced by what he said, but others disbelieved. Right? So Paul does all that work. Some believed, but some didn't. And I even want to just throw out a little application for you right now. Maybe you're going to do all this work. You've got to know your coworker. You've invited them over for dinner. You've sh- heard their story. You've shared your story. And you're thinking, great, now they're going to be a follower of Jesus. And it's like, no, they don't. And I just want to give you a little bit of, of take the pressure off. It's not about you, right? It's not up to Paul. It's not up to you and me. We do our, we do our part, but it's up to the Spirit of God to work in people's hearts. Um, that's what we saw here. Some believed, some didn't. And then Paul does something interesting. He quotes from the Old Testament, Isaiah 6, and he talks about some who hear but do not understand, some who see but do not perceive, and he goes on to say that, the, um, that not how not all the Jews have believed. And this verse has been used um, throughout um, history. Some have said, well, this means that uh, Paul was done caring about the Jews. And that's not actually what we see. We actually see Paul continually going to and caring for the Jewish people and the people of Israel. But what it does show us is that Scripture predicted this is exactly what would happen. That some of the people of Israel would believe and some wouldn't. But this is why Gentiles are included in the picture. And this has been what the book of Acts has been a part of showing us. That the gospel goes forth to all people, all nations of the world. And so Paul has come to Rome and he's brought the gospel and he's bringing it to all people. Jews and Gentiles alike. Okay, a lot of history there, a lot of talking. What does that have to do with us? Um, what, are we, what, are, what am I after here? I'd love to ask you this question by way of application. Are you in danger of hearing but not understanding? Are you in danger of hearing by not, but not understanding? What I mean by hearing, it's one thing to know the information, the facts of the story, the Jewish people, they knew the story, but they didn't respond. They, did, they came in with an apathy and they didn't leave con- with, with any conviction or belief of, of who Jesus was. And my fear is, as Paul went to the people who were religious, is that it's easy to come here on a Sunday morning, hear something talked about, and continue to leave with, with apathy, without a desire to continue to grow and continue to learn, to really believe what the Scripture is teaching. And I, I don't want to see that happen to us. And Paul continually, throughout the entire book of Acts, he makes it clear that there is no middle ground. There is no apathy allowed. You're either for or against this kingdom that Jesus is bringing in, and this king named Jesus. So I just want, to, want you guys to be, to be able to ask that question of are you in danger of hearing but not understanding? Do we really own it? And if we do own it, that means it influences every area of our life, not just a spiritual life, but every area of our life, the way, the way we work, the way, the way we live. All of it comes into, um, come into play if we truly have heard the gospel. It changes our, our view of everything. And not, um, as I think through, okay, so those who are sent, they know the story, they hear the story, and I started to mention that it changes the way you live. That's actually our third point. Those who are sent live the story. Those who are sent live the story. Now this is, uh, this is gonna get us back to our ending from the book of Acts that we kind of began with. Remember, it kind of seemed a little anticlimactic. It seemed like the author left you wanting more. And I think the author leaves you wanting more 
because he wants more from you. The author leaves you wanting more because he wants more from you. You see, he intentionally ends it this way, and he doesn't tell you what happens about Paul because it's not about Paul. It's about the mission of the church going forth. And you, as the church, if you consider yourself a follower of Jesus, will you continue on with that mission? Will you live out the mission that Jesus has sent? What are you going to do with this story? Perhaps the best way to think about this is a play or a drama, if you prefer. It's almost the idea of like, we've got Act 1 in the Old Testament. We've got Act 2 here, New Testament. We know Act 4 when Jesus returns and what it's going to look like, but we are currently in Act 3. And the author of the play, seen in Luke and Acts, he actually pauses the, pauses the book in, Acts, in um, Act 3 and says, okay, audience, your turn to come on up and you're going to live out and you are going to act it out. No, but he doesn't hand you a script He doesn't say, okay, well then enter from stage left and make this line, and then when you meet your classmate at the water fountain, say this. He doesn't give us exact instructions of how to live out and live ascent. It's almost more of an improv, right? But the improv comes from knowing the story and from hearing the story. And that's why it's so important for us to know and to hear the story that we talked about earlier. We have to know what's going on, and we have to know where it's going so that we are able to live it out. Some of you may be, may be thinking, I, yeah, I, I'm all in. I'd love to live out the story, but how do I do that? And I don't have a step-by-step process or a script that you can read from in order to live, but I have something better. And that's what the scripture, the story of scripture, and that it, it teaches us the principles and teaches us about the person of Jesus so we might have the, the background needed to interact with each new circumstance, right? It doesn't try and tell you what to do in every way, but rather it tells you the principles behind how you can act. And this is, again, why we must know the story, why we must um, have understood the story for ourselves and be able to live it out. And it begins with Jesus. To be able to kind of talk about that story we're talking about living, well, it begins with knowing the person of Jesus, right? Because that's what this story is about. And I, uh, again, there's lots of things we do, like spiritual disciplines, prayer, Bible reading, fasting, and trying to get to know Jesus. But the point is, eventually, that relationship with Jesus and then the power of the Holy Spirit interacting with your lives, that's what gives you the wisdom to interact in school, interact with your family, and interact with your coworkers in order to actually live as one who is sent. And that's, again, why we have to continue to know this book. That being said, I do think that Paul gives us a couple applications here that we can use to try and follow on how to live as sent, a couple principles. And by way of application, I'd look at, like to look at the last two verses and examine those as we try and think our way through. So verses 30 and 31, let's read them again. He, Paul, lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. So if we are to know the story, we're to hear the story, we're to live the story, what does it look like to, to, uh, to live that story here? I think we see some examples from Paul on how to do that. First, he lived there two years at his own expense. It cost him something. It, it was important to him. It was a priority, but it had a cost. And I think that's something that we also need to realize, that living as one who has sent has a cost to it. Yes, financial, but also with our time, our talent, our treasures, they're all involved in living this story. Um, Furthermore, it says he welcomed all who came. There's the hospitality again. 
I think we continue to see that it's about relationships. It's about knowing, knowing those around you and helping them see how they fit into that story. So there we have that. But we also see all who came to him. This was important that it went to all people. Hospitality and the gospel, the good news, goes to all people. That was one of the struggles that the Jewish people had and that when Paul was speaking here in the earlier verses is they didn't like the idea that the gospel went forth to the Gentiles. They struggled with that. And even by thinking to it for ourselves, I'd like to think through, who are the people who I struggle to show hospitality to? Right? It's easy for me to show hospitality to the people who look and act and think the way I do, but what about those who think and act differently or who look differently? And maybe a challenge for us this morning is to think through, who do I have trouble showing hospitality to, to be able to share this story with? Is it maybe because of their political affiliation as a Democrat or a Republican? Or maybe is it because of their skin color or their race or their ethnicity? Or maybe their social status? Right? Who are the people who we would struggle to show hospitality to? Because what we see in the Gospel of Acts and throughout the story of Scripture is that the good news of Jesus is sent to all people. And at the foot of the cross, we are all equal. There is no partiality for who the Gospel goes to. Maybe a healthy reminder for us. So we see he lived at, um, lived at his own expense. He welcomed all that came to him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God. And again, this kingdom of God, it's, it's the good news about what the kingdom is doing. It's, it's the thought that our work now matters to help restore all things to Christ. And it's also about the allegiance owed to this king named Jesus. Um, it's supposed to influence everything about our lives because it is the priority. And there's also a boldness. Notice that it says there, with all boldness. Personally, this is one of the struggles that I have. I have often find myself fearing people and loving God instead of loving people and fearing God, right? I get, I get it backwards. And even around my own family, a lot of them are non-believers, and I get really embarrassed even telling them what I do as a pastor. And I struggle to be bold. And my, my uh, thought is maybe some of you also struggle. Maybe it's in the workplace, maybe it's with other students, maybe it's with your own family. But we are to live as bold. And this bold does mean there's a difference with how we live. And we've seen it all throughout scripture with Paul living bold. Now, it doesn't mean that we're arrogant or annoying, right? Hopefully, it just means that there is a truth about our lives, just as was shared during the ministry spotlight this morning, that people could see the hope that is within us, that they see that and they want to know what is different. Living with that boldness. But also notice with that boldness that it's, uh, it says without hindrance, And this is interesting to me. I love the irony of scripture. Um, There's a lot of irony in Luke that as he writes, uh, things like the the poor are made rich and the blind are able to see and uh, there's all throughout his story. But here's another example of that irony where he points out and he says, oh, the gospel goes forth without hindrance. But if you remember what Paul's doing, he's currently under house arrest, right? Like that doesn't exactly seem like he's living without hindrance. But the author's pointing out, it's not about Paul again. That's, Paul is physically hindered, but the gospel is not hindered. It doesn't matter what is thrown at this story going forth. The gospel, through the power of the Holy Spirit, continues to go forth to all people. The mission of God, it cannot be stopped. That's what we're seeing. And I'd love to maybe point out for some of us, I I think sometimes we can look at the circumstances of our lives and say, wow, I'm being hindered from being able to do this. And it's like, well, you might be be, uh, being hindered, but is the gospel being hindered? right? So sometimes we think through our own hindrances rather than seeing the big picture in the story of how the mission continues to go forth and what does a hindrance actually look like. 
And I think finally, the, the, the piece that we see is we're trying to live as being sent is again, knowing that full story and knowing the ending, right? The mission of God that began in the work of God through Jesus Christ is continuing through the, through the actions and deeds of the apostles and the church through the power of the Holy Spirit. The same power that the Holy Spirit used to raise Jesus from the dead is alive and at work in you and I to be able to bring forth this mission. And God will see this mission through. It will be mission accomplished. God wins at the end and we get to join and be a part of that. And that should give us a hope and an encouragement to keep on and to keep going. Yeah, Paul is left here in prison and later we find out that Paul eventually dies and is is executed by Rome, but that's not the end of the story. The story is that the church, just like that drama, is meant to carry out and live the story and live the mission. And if you consider yourself a follower of Jesus today, if you consider yourself one who is sent, then it's our role to continue to live this story out, again, wherever we are, in our work, in our, ho- in our homes, in our schools, wherever it might be. That is what we are called to do, is to live as being sent. And I want to end with that thought of, uh, of knowing, the, uh, knowing the story, hearing the story, and living the story, by saying that for some of you, that uh, you might come here and not be a follower of Jesus, and we're glad you're here, but we'd love, um, I'd love to talk to you further about this, and I'd love to have you think about um, where your life is in the story. And, and the, the claims of Jesus, because again, there is no middle ground. There is uh, only allegiance to be given or rejection given to Jesus. And I just challenge you to wrestle with, who is Jesus? And for those of you who are a part of um, our family, I'd love to be able to say, uh, say, it is our job, Acts is continuing to push us and challenge us to continue to live that way and to live as being sent. Um, so as, as we head out, I want to share our, our benediction, our good word for the road. I invite you to stand to hear these words from, from Luke himself, from the end of his gospel. Remember, he wrote the gospel of Luke and the book of Acts together, and we see at the end of the gospel, Christ declaring this over his disciples, which is the same word we should hear as the sent ones called into the places God is sending us. So hear these words. Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. In light of that truth, let us go into all the places God has called us as his sent ones. Amen. Have a great week.